Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. This is episode number 14 with our guest, Lorraine Reguli. Let's get right into the show. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hello there. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome into the studio. It is Josh Carey, your host. You're listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Let's get right to it. If you've ever felt depressed or down in the dumps or miserable and ever thought, how in the world am I going to get out of this? I got to tell you, I personally have had many, many of those dark days and slowly but surely you find a way out. And my guest today is absolutely no exception. In her own words, she went from a suicidal mess to a success. And I can tell you a success beyond you will ever believe. Today, she's a writer. She's published a couple of books. She's, uh, she has a wildly successful business where in part she offers writing services, editing services, coaching and mentoring, and author assistant services. Her recent book is titled From Nope to Hope, How I Overcame My Suicidal Thoughts and How You Can Too. I am really, really looking forward to this discussion. Please help me welcome, it's my guest, Lorraine Reguli. How are you, Lorraine? Hi, Josh. I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's such a pleasure to be here with you having this, this dialogue because, like I said, I, I personally, I've had many, many nights where I'm just staring at the ceiling, you know, probably sobbing, confused, and just wondering, oh my God, how, why, and asking all these questions. And it, it does feel, feel hopeless. And I, I'm, I know we're going to get to all of that about the, the hope and the opposite despair, but it seems like today you have it all together, but certainly that wasn't always the case, right? That's very true. Um, it's been probably eight, seven or eight years now that I've had it together, as you say. Before that, my life was a complete mess, and I had let some of my traumatic experiences that I went through dictate how I was going to live the following years. 
simply because I didn't have strategies in place that could help me deal with it and move on. Mm. But once I figured out how to cope with everything, my life just started getting better and better and better. And for the last several years, I've been on a stepping stone of success. It's like one, one stone here leads to the next stone. And it's all just been positive, positive, positive. And that's what I want to share with your listeners today is how they can get from point A to point B in such a way where they're going to experience the same types of success and happiness in their lives. Yeah, and you're clearly today, and I, I know always, you're, a, you're, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're certainly a passionate entrepreneur, and on your website, in fact, uh, and, and I'll link to this, you have this, this, this really incredible poem that journeys your story and outlines your story in this in this brilliant, heartfelt, miraculous poem. And then even besides that, you have this incredible list from, you know, sort of juxtaposing all of that to say, and here are my credits, where on your portfolio page, you have dozens and dozens of articles and blog posts that you've written for other high-profile websites. You've been included in dozens and dozens of top lists, top lists like the 25 successful copywriting experts you should know, and so many more. Is how did how did how did that come to me? <laughs> well, when I first started blogging back in 2013, I started my my website on a free platform, actually WordPress.com. So there was no initial investment other than my time and some of my writing, which I put up for free on the internet, which anyone can do. Then within the first year, I discovered that connecting with other people and making influential friends was one of the key secrets to becoming popular online. And so I aligned myself with a lot of popular bloggers. I, I would read their blog posts and leave comments on them. I would share them on social media. I would interact with them whatever, in whatever opportunity I could, in whatever manner I could. And eventually they started recognizing my name and responding to me very favorably. And one guy the owner of Dear Blogger. He was actually my first freelancing client. I would read his blog because I wanted to become a better blogger. And I, I would always leave him comments and thank him for sharing, you know, his wisdom so freely with others. And one day he and I had a discussion about a guest post on his website. Well, he liked my guest posts so much so that he invited me to write for him on a monthly basis as a paid position. And I was like, cool, I'm a freelancer now. <laughs> and that's what I never really set out to become a freelance writer, but that's the position I found myself in. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to add some freelancing writing and editing services to my website because being a math, being certified as a high school math and English teacher. I love English. I've loved the English language ever since I was 
just a little girl. I mean, I was reading and writing at a super young age and my mom was an elementary school teacher and I was her firstborn. So I reaped all the benefits from her. And so I thought, okay, well, what can I do with in terms of business? I could actually open a business based on words, which is my passion. And that is how my free website became my business website, WordingWell. So it was born in 2014. So yeah, so for the last four years now, that's what I've been doing with my life. In, and in the meantime, I've, you know, like you said, I've authored a couple of books and just try and help people as much as I can spread so many different messages. I mean, I have, you know, like you mentioned, the poetry. Yes, I write poetry as well. I write short stories. I write self-help books. I've written so many different blog posts on so many different topics. Like I can write anything. Mm. And then there's the editing factor. I can edit anything too, because I'm an English teacher and the English language is something I've loved for years. And so I have a great understanding of the proper conventions of, you know, where to put commas and where to put the periods you know, what, which words to choose to make it sound better. And all of the people that I have helped with their books um, have saying praises about me, really. And when I published my first book, I then added the author assistant services to my website, to my business, because other people needed assistance publishing their books. And one of my long-term clients, Max Ivy, which is how you and I got introduced. He is an author of three books now, has plans for more, and I've, I've assisted him through the editing process, the self-publishing process, everything, and uh, he, he is just the most amazing guy. Um, I mean, that's the beauty of the age we live in. Anyone can become an author, and Max is blind which is so fascinating. I mean, he's just an incredible, incredible, inspiring man. But I know we're not here <laughs> to really talk about him, but I can't help mentioning him because I just love the guy so much. Mm, yeah, absolutely perfect. One of the things I love you said back that brought you to this, this current journey you're on is the ability to align yourself and connect with others. That's a, uh, a sage piece of advice for everybody, no matter where they are. And I'm just starting to learn and appreciate that, that you can't and shouldn't do everything yourself. You will always want and need the, the assistance and the connection to others. But for you personally, even if you had the, the desire to align and connect you personally weren't always in that mindset to be able to even do that. I have a handful of sections of your poem that I pulled out that I just resonate tremendously with. And I want to read uh, a couple lines here and then have you take us back to the beginning, if you will. Sure. It says... I tried to find comfort by turning to food and drugs when all I really needed was someone who could give me warm hugs. Now, I love that so much because it just, when I read that, it, it hit me in the gut. I, I get it. I think so many of us could appreciate that 
that growing up as a child, we may not feel hugged or loved enough or as we would want. What was your story back in the day? Take us back to the beginning, please. Okay, the beginning probably was when I was raped as a 14-year-old virgin. I had no one to turn to to talk about what happened to me. Now, this was back in the 1980s where things weren't openly discussed like they are today. And so I kept everything inside. I tried to deal with it myself, and I couldn't. The following year, I tried to kill myself. Yeah, I turned to food and drugs to try and cope. I ended up quitting school. I became promiscuous and started looking for love in all the wrong places, thinking that sex equaled love. And if I were to have sex with a guy, that meant he loved me. My whole views on sex and love became so twisted and so distorted that I didn't know what to think basically about anything. So it was a really difficult time in my life. And anyone who has gone through any kind of abuse, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, it's all the same. It's abuse and it hurts and it screws you up in the head. And unless you can find adequate coping strategies, your life's just going to take a downward spiral. And that's exactly what mine did. And it wasn't until I was 22 that I actually got into counseling and I started to learn some coping strategies to get through the emotional pain that I had endured all of those years. And, you know, going back, thinking about it now, I mean, I can easily speak about it now, but at the time, it was so difficult to talk about. And if it's one thing I want to impress upon your listeners is that I know it's hard to talk about, but you have to do it. The more you talk about it, the better it will be. Find someone to talk to, whether it's a counselor, a friend, a mentor, um, a psychologist or, you know, psychiatrist. It, it can be anyone, but you have to start talking in order to heal. Mm. Let me ask you, take us back even further than the 14-year-old incident what were you like as a child growing up? What memories do you have in that regard? I was always surrounded with books. I was always reading. I always had my nose in something. Um, I was a, a fairly happy child. I was the eldest of three children. My parents were, you know, it was a two-parent family. And it, today my parents are still together. In fact, they just celebrated 49 years of marriage last month. And so I had, I, you know, I came from a stable home life. Um, my brother and sister and I, you know, we fought like siblings do. But other than that, you know, I went to school. I got good grades. I had, I had a few friends. I was always shy about making friends 
even though I'm a very outgoing person, I was, I, I, I'm very selective about who I let into, I guess, my little circle or my little world. Even today, there's only, you know, a few close actual friends in real life that I have. I have a lot of great friends online, but having friends online and having friends in real life that you can, you know, go out and have coffee with or go, you know, go to a show or go hang out with, go have dinner with, it's completely different. And so I'm, but as a child, I mean, I, I just, the only thing I really remember is I remember, um, I remember playing base catch baseball with my dad, throwing the ball around in the backyard or on the street. I remember a couple of my neighbors, we would play, you know, skipping and hopscotch and, you know, the games that kids play when they're kids. Um, I remember one summer, all I did was I read a book every day. Uh, where I live, it's, it's the weather's nice for basically only two months of the year, which is June, July, and maybe part of August. And I can remember making a box of craft dinner and going outside and sitting out and sun tanning and reading a book. So, I mean, I, I was fairly happy. I had a good childhood. And when I started high school, that was a little bit different. I didn't really know too many people and I kept to myself. I made a couple of friends um, who I actually still talk to to this day. And um, it was at the end of my very first year of high school that I was raped. And so the rest of my high school years were not great because I became so depressed that I would rather sleep in and not go to school and just, you know, escape, try and numb myself through, through sleep. And so I ended up missing a lot of school. And so I, my grades faltered and I subsequently just quit. Then the next semester would roll around and I would try again, but the same thing would happen. So I basically quit high school four times in a row, two consecutive years, four semesters. And then when I was 17, I found myself pregnant and I decided to keep my child. And of course I couldn't go to school being pregnant. And, you know, so I actually, ended up taking a, a special class uh, for pregnant teens. And then after my son was born, I went back to, it was an adult education center in a special program for single moms where I ended up completing my high school education. So it wasn't the conventional, you know, four years of high school like most people do. Um, it was all of that, what I just mentioned, and then it was an additional four years of correspondence work, and then five years of university. So it's, <laughs> I've, you know, I've spent a lot of time in school. <laughs> I have another part of your poem I want to read. It says, finally, I realized my inner demons would always have a hold over me, and until I dealt with my past, I would never be free. You mentioned that at 22 years old, you went into counseling. Now, I know even at that point, we're not even close to being in the clear, so to speak. But what, what really brought you to counseling? How did that transition occur? You know, when I was, okay, so when I ended up in that adult education center doing the correspondence work, 
I actually attended a site, like the school had a site where I would go every afternoon. My son was in, a, in the daycare there and I would sit there and I would work for a couple of hours every afternoon. And I had two teachers who would mark my work. One of them had previously been trained as, as counselor. She took me aside one day and she asked me what had happened to me. She knew I had gone through something and I opened up to her and she said, Lorraine, you need to get into counseling. You're not going to be free of this until you deal with it. And I was like, yes, I agree with you. You're right, because this has been bothering me and bothering me and haunting me and hurting me for so long. I need to do something. And so it was, it was she that urged me to seek counseling. So I did. And through uh, my counselor, we worked through, there's a set of books called The Courage to Heal. One is a text, like a textbook type of a book, and the other one's a workbook. And so basically you read through chapter by chapter. It's almost like schoolwork, really. But you read through chapter by chapter, and you read about different people who have gone through different experiences, and then you answer questions based on your own experiences and based on what you've read. And they're really thought-provoking questions, and I love those books so much. So each week, I'd go through, you know, a chapter, and we work, my counselor and I would work through them together. And then one day, she asked me if I had ever considered charging my rapist. And apparently, there is no statute of limitations on rape. And so I phoned the police, and I asked, and I said, okay, so this happened to me when I was 14. And, you know, I know his name. I know where he lives. Uh, what can I, can I charge him? You know, can I do anything about this? They said, yes, absolutely. And so I ended up taking him to court. And in that whole process of going to court and, you know, bringing everything before the judge, uh, he was given an option to be tried by judge or by judge and jury. He chose judge and jury. We ended up going to court. I mean, it had been remanded and remanded several times, so the process was quite lengthy. But throughout it all, I took satisfaction in seeing the look, the worried look on his face that, he, like, when he realized, like, hey, I could actually go to jail for what I did. And in the end, he was found not guilty, which really sucked. But it's because our mutual friend who had introduced us lied on the stand. She took his side over mine. So she turned up to be, you know, not a very good friend at all. Stabbed me in the back. But I still managed to find closure because of the process and because I, I really, you know, I saw that worried look on his face when he, you know, he realized like, hey, this could be it for me. I could literally go to jail. And to me, I, that made me feel good. Like I'm not a vindictive person, but uh, when I was raped, I used to think of, you know, like this guy, how could he be punished? And I used to imagine all sorts of scenarios in my head where, 
where he was, you know, tortured and made to feel pain and all these other things. And, you know, and that's, that's not me, but that's how you feel when you have been violated and hurt to such a point where all you want is revenge. And so that was a really, that was probably one of the most difficult things for me to come to terms with is that, you know, it, it changed my thinking so completely that it, it turned me into a different person. And it was through counseling and through learning different coping strategies and techniques that I was able to be brought back to who I was before the rape happened. And as I continued to live my life, um, in fact, when I started blogging, I learned another technique. And I hadn't learned this up until, like, I was like 41 when I first, I think 41 or 42. I'm going to be 47 this month. So it's been, you know, it's been a while. But I learned another technique, which is the power of positive affirmations. And I started using positive affirmations in my life. And that now is pretty much my secret to happiness because that technique alone works wonders. And so all of the strategies and coping techniques I've learned over the years, I decided to compile and put together in a book, which is my book you mentioned, From Nope to Hope. The reason being is that when I first started blogging, and sorry, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but you know what? This is really important because I wrote about my suicide attempt. And when I started reading all of the comments that people were leaving me, um, like I think there's over like 600 comments on that article now. Um, and I started noticing like over 500 people a day were reading this article I wrote about my true story about my suicide attempt. And they're trying to figure out how can I, you know, stop being depressed and how can I stop feeling suicidal? How can I get these thoughts out of my head? I realized there was a need for me to share even more. And so that's the reason I wrote my book because I want everyone to benefit like I did because I know how hard it can be being in that type of position. What was the nature of your suicide attempt? Uh, overdosed by pills. Okay. And so, what happened was I got really, really, really sick. My vision went blurry. I was seeing double. I couldn't walk. I stumbled to the bathroom. I threw up. I was sick for like, you know, like a couple of days. And uh, I never ended up in the hospital. I just kind of, you know, healed myself. But uh, yeah, so that was that was how I tried it. And I and, you know, it's every everyone tries different things. So you are now, let's go back to the story where you're in your early 20s. And like I said, you're, you're not in the clear. You're trying to give it your all and get through it as best you can. Uh, what was your career path? What, how were you surviving in your 20s? Okay, so I had mentioned that I, was gone, I had gone back to school. I was a single mother. I wanted to give my son a better life. We were living on welfare, and I was going to school to try and pursue a better future for us. I had the hopes of becoming a high school math and English teacher, and so I went to university for five years to 
get educated and certified in that. But in the meantime, um, I had mentioned earlier, I know, where you, I know where you want me to go with this. I had mentioned earlier I was promiscuous. And so one day, I was actually made an offer for a sexual favor in exchange for money. And that's how I got involved with prostitution. So I realized like, okay, this is, this is pretty easy money, pretty quick. And I'd been giving it away for free. So I figured I might as well get paid for it. And so I ended up in that lifestyle as well. And, you know, because my views about sex and love and everything were so distorted anyways, it didn't seem to make much of a difference to me at the time. And it wasn't until, you know, so, so I did that for several years. And, you know, even to the point where I was out standing on the street corner and selling myself. And I did that. And it was, you know, there was parts of it that were great. Like the money was great. But there was also parts that were very degrading and, you know, really caused me to have a lower self-esteem, like when people would drive by and, and yell at me or throw things at me. Um, once I was pushed out of a vehicle into cement and, like, physically hurt. Um, there was, you know, there's, there's good and bad with every job and there's, you know, risks with everything. But... Uh, I was at the point where it was like, you know, well, I'm just doing it for the money. And, you know, that way I was able to buy, you know, buy my son better toys and better clothes and, you know, things like that. Like I can remember when he was 12 years, 12 and 13 and into skateboarding, um, you know, he really liked Tony Hawk and he really liked all these name brand things. And he wanted this sweatshirt and it was a Circa. It had the Circa logo on it. And it was like $120 for a sweatshirt. And this is going back like, like 16 years ago. I mean, that was a lot of money back then. And so I was able to afford such things because of this, you know, side hustle I had going on. Um, but that just brought me down even further in terms of my self-esteem and you know what I was going through in my mind and how it like it, like it really negative affected my psyche like in a very negative way and so I was I was really happy when I finally got out of that but it wasn't it wasn't for years like I yes I became a high school math and English teacher and I moved away to teach math and English for three and a half years but then I returned to my hometown and I got back involved got involved again with prostitution just because it was easy money and I was familiar with it and I, you know it was it was less stress than working as a teacher um, I could set my own hours. So in, you know, like you weigh the pros and cons, right? Like I treated it as a job and, you know, it was, it was horrible because my son found out what I was doing and he ended up moving out and disowning me. At this point he was 19 and that was the following year was the worst year of my life because I ended up spiraling downward even further, smoking crack cocaine 
for 10 months and really giving up all hope of everything. And uh, it was, you know, like I, I, I think back to those things that I went through now and I think, oh my, like I'm not even that same person. This all happened to another person, it feels like. Like it's, it's very surreal when I, when I think back about it now and, and I take a look at who and what I was then and who and what I am now. And it's like it's two completely different entities. Like I am not that same person anymore. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of, kind of surprising, really. What was the relationship like with your son prior to when he was 19 and found out and moved out? What was, what was the home life really like when all this was going on? What was that relationship like when he was a young child? Well, my son and I have always had an open and honest relationship. Uh, he, being just the two of us, I've always given him chores and responsibilities, and I never catered to him. I always said, okay, like, this is how it is. This is how life is. Yes, you might only be a child, but you're doing your chores. You're putting your toys away. You're helping me with laundry. I mean, he would match up the socks and fold the fold the towels, the easiest jobs. But he still had chores. He still had a job to do. And our relationship in terms of, I mean, we used to do, you know, fun things. We would go out and, and do different activities. And I would try and, you know, do as many fun things as possible to make up for, uh, you know, being a single mom and not being able to provide a better home life for him in terms of, you know, like brothers and sisters or a bigger family, a father, things like that. Um, so we had a pretty, pretty good relationship. Uh, when he became a teenager, things, of course, you know, typical teen, he rebelled, you know, tried out drinking, got suspended from school for that. And, you know, I said, well, look, you know, everything has consequences. Um, I remember he was at a party one time and he wanted to come home because he was fighting with the person where he was staying overnight. And, and I said, look, you made your choice. If you guys decided to drink and fight, that's your problem. I'm not rescuing you. You're going to make a better choice the next time. You're going to think twice about your, your actions and what you're going to decide to do. And so I said to him, like, you know, like tough love. And, you know, he, he grew up to not drink, not do drugs, not smoke, eat healthy, go to the gym. I mean, he is perfect, really, now. And I think that whatever I did, I did do a damn good job of raising him. Um, and, and now, you know, I mean, like our relationship wasn't all that great. I mean, I was, you know, doing drugs and I was working on the street and I was doing that. So his, his initial home life wasn't that great. Um, but now, now we have a really good relationship because after, um, after that first year of, of, you know, smoking crack and everything else, I, I finally hit rock bottom and I realized I have to do something to get my life back on track. I have to get my son back in my life. I have to get healthy. I have to quit drugs. I have to get off the streets and I have to start pursuing these dreams that I had in the back of my head with writing and, you know, everything else. And so 
I did. I quit everything. I started to become healthy. And the irony of all of this is that I ended up having my appendix burst. I ended up in the hospital, literally dying. They had to do emergency surgery to save me. And it was at that point, Josh, that I had my epiphany. I realized I don't want to die. I want to live. And having those suicidal thoughts all those years, it was like everything culminated in that one moment when I was literally faced with death. It was like, you know what? I don't want to die. I just want my pain to end. I want to live. I want to pursue my dreams. And so after that, I ended up getting back in touch with my son, explained to him about all the changes I had made. He, he knew just by listening to the sound of my voice, he knew I was telling the truth. He knew I wasn't just, you know, trying to like get him back in my life or whatever. Like he knew I was completely serious and we ended up repairing our relationship and strengthening it. And he forgave me for everything. Um, the beauty of my son is he is, he is young and full of energy and full of positivity. Uh, he is one of the most amazing people I know, and he and I were able to put the past in the past and just move forward with a positive, happy life, a strong relationship, and and yeah, and now it's 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 been great, and it was all because of him um, that I was able to you know have the guts to pursue my writing career. Hmm. I have another part of the poem I want to want to recite here. It says, I applied different strategies and techniques to become happy again. I learned how to cope with my depression and how to change my views about men. So now you're you're out of the hospital. You have repaired the relationship with your son, which is, my goodness, how beautiful is that? I know. It was great. What, what specific, you know, so, so now you're home, you have this epiphany, as you say, you're ready to move forward. What specific strategies and techniques and habits and rituals and whatever else did you deliberately put in place that made the difference out of the gate? Well, that very first year that my son and I, I mean, we connected, we reconnected in the fall of 2012 and right in January of 2013, I bought my laptop and started blogging four days later. So everything kind of started happen, happened in a rapid succession. And, you know, I initially that like, that was when I started writing about my suicide attempt. Like it was just, you know, a couple months after that. And, and I thought, okay, like the more, the more that I release my past, the more that I write about it. And, and I, for me, writing is a form of therapy. So that's my, one of my techniques uh, for me personally is I write and I talk and I, and that's why I'm such a big advocate of like, if you can't write, cause not everybody can, um, you, everybody can talk though. So please talk to somebody and get it out of you. Um, so once I did that, like I said, I wrote this, you know, about my suicide attempt. And in that uh, article, 
I listed some of the points that I had personally started using in my own life for how to, you know, move on. And, you know, it wasn't until like several years later that I wrote my book, but, and, but I had in the meantime learned about positive affirmations and that, that strategy alone or that technique alone is the single most effective technique that I have found that works for me. And I didn't actually learn about that technique until I started blogging. Can you give us an example of what that is for somebody who might so not know? So positive affirmations are statements that you read or say to yourself on a daily basis. They might not be true at first, but if you're told something in your subconscious often enough, your subconscious will fight to make what you're told a reality. And so if you tell yourself, I am a strong, confident individual and I can handle anything life throws my way, you will eventually start to become a strong, confident individual who can handle anything life throws your way. So you make up a list of these things. And now I use some of the ones that I found on the internet. Um, you can create affirmations for every area of your life, whether it's work, business, your personal life, your spiritual life, um, if you want to lose weight, um, your body image, like any, any area that you want. Um, so for example, because I've always struggled with my weight, I started saying some affirmations to do with my health and said, I'm making these changes because I want to be healthy. I am trying to eat healthy because I want to live longer so I can be with my family. Um, I want to see my grandchildren be born one day. I want to be there for that. Um, you know, so for today, I'm not going to eat chocolate. I'm going to eat an apple. Just for today, I'm going to make this change. Um, a lot, if you're, if you, when you're starting out and you're really struggling, you can say just for today, I'm going to do this and take it kind of one day at a time. Like, you know, that the, all those 12 step programs like Gamblers Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, mm -hmm. Narcotics Anonymous, they just do one day at a time. So just for today, I am going to do this. And, you know, all of these little steps that you take will add up and before you know it like you've transformed your life so true uh, i want to mention that there there is a chapter in my book all about positive affirmations and because i didn't learn about it and i thought that this was like some great big kept secret from me you know um i give this chapter away for free on my website so if uh, I believe the title is called How Positive Affirmations Can Improve Your Life. Everything's there for free. There's even a worksheet, a downloadable worksheet where you can like create your own affirmations. There's a bunch of samples you can use. Like I mean tons of samples. Um, there's everything you need to know about how they work. The really cool thing is, is that you only have to say them for about a week for you to start seeing results. Like if, even if you don't, uh, like one of my affirmations was, I'm shopping for my own car. Uh, another one was, 
I am a published author now. And this was all before any of this ever happened. And you know, you, you tell things yourself often enough and they eventually come true. Like it, they're so cool. I am right there with you, Lorraine. Uh, for the past few months and several months and few years, I used to resist meditation anytime I heard it. I was always intrigued and interested in personal growth and development, but for some reason, meditation never resonated until it did. And when it did, I was ready for it. I embraced it. And now today, I literally do not go a day without meditating literally and it like i say the same thing that alone has been game changing meditation for me has made all the difference i want to read one more part of your poem here it says i no longer let my past define who i am or how i should be instead i control my thoughts and the actions and now I am a strong version of me. What I love about that is I control my thoughts and my actions. That is so true. That's, that's where everything begins and ends. And like you said, I actually have it written down. Chapter eight in your book, From Nope to Hope, is Change Your Mindset by Using Positive Affirmations. And uh, chapter nine also intrigues me. Use meditation, the law of attraction, and visualization. And like you said, both of those are um, available for free. We will certainly link to them. So I agree. I'm a fan of all that. Yeah. And, you know, and those are like stra simple strategies that once you actually use them, have amazing results. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I was just flipping through the table of contents of my book. and. I mean, there's a lot of other strategies and techniques that you can use. Um, we talked about, you know, we touched upon forming healthy habits uh, one step at a time. Improve your self-image. Um, talk about acceptance of yourself, spirituality, your will to change. How to create your path to a happier life. How to put your plan into action by setting and attaining goals that you can actually reach. And when you reach them, you feel so great about them. Um, you know, how to assess your growth, how to conquer procrastination. That's a huge one. I think everyone struggles with. You don't have to be suicidal to be a procrastinator. I think that's something we all do. Um, how to make your happiness last. Uh, what to do if your suicidal thoughts return. Um, there's, there's, there's so much packed into my book. And I included um, four other people's personal experiences with their thoughts and their suicide attempts hmm. because we all have different stories and we all you know we all think a little bit differently when it comes to suicide uh, the main thing is like yes I want to die uh, and we all think okay well how am I going to do it and, you know I mean you asked me what my well that was my thing you know, and like other people, well, they, they would have a different way of thinking about it. Like uh, one guy wanted to crash, crash his motorcycle and, and, you know, get into an accident and get killed that way. And, hmm. you know, and he tried and he failed. He obviously, you know, he ended up in the hospital with injuries and stuff. But I mean that, and, and, and like, that's the thing, you know, I mean, we all have different experiences and I wanted to share other people's experiences in my book as well. And then at the very end, um, 
one of my Facebook friends had a sister who killed herself. And I asked him nine months after this happened, I said, what's it like now for your family living with the aftermath of her suicide? How do you guys, you know, how are you guys getting on? Like, how do you cope? What's, you know, what, what are you, how are your parents affected? How are you affected? And so he shares all of that as well. Um, and it, and it's, you know, it's, it's such a sensitive topic, but we all need to talk about this because we all feel depressed at some point in our lives. It, and, you know, even the most successful people have moments where they struggle and they don't know what to do next. And, you know, like people always think for some reason that money solves problems. Uh, that's not true. You, everyone, no matter what their status, whether they're living at poverty level, middle class, or high class, every single one of us has problems. We need to face the fact that we're all human. We are all subject to these different kinds of emotions, whether it's depression, suicidal thoughts, um, happiness, whatever these emotions are, we're all in this together. And we need to pass on the message of hope that, you know, we can deal with these negative emotions and come out on top. And regardless of, you know, what, what our bank account balance is, or regardless of how many kids we have, regardless of our job, regardless of whatever's going on in our life, we can find ways to deal with things. Now, that line that you mentioned in my poem about how I'm in control of my thoughts and actions, well, yes, the positive affirmations help me control my thoughts, but my actions. I am in control of how I react to other people. That's a choice. And therefore, I am in control of my actions now. And I take full responsibility for everything I do. And that's something that, you know, once people um, have that little moment where they're like, yeah, you know what, this, this really makes sense. Like, I can choose to hit the alarm, the snooze button in the morning, or I can choose to get out of bed, take a shower and get dressed and feel great. Which one am I going to choose? I am in control. So every little action that we have, there's a choice. There's choice one and there's choice two. If you start making better choices in your life and better decisions about what you're doing, It'll be phenomenal, the, excess, the success that you experience and the happiness that you experience overall. Hmm. And that's why I, I say, like, it's never too late to change. Like, you can be stuck in a rut for 10 years. And, I mean, I was stuck. I was stuck for many years. Hmm. And I got out of it. And that's why, like, now I'm so passionate about passing on this message of hope to other people. Because, hey, if I can face rape, uh, drugs, prostitution, single parenthood, high school dropout, gambling addiction, um, you know, physical and mental abuse, and still come out on top, anyone can, whatever your problem is, you can deal with it. That leads me to the final quote in your poem that uh, I pulled here. It says, I used to be an awkward, 
emotional mess. Now I am happier than I've ever been and a success. My goodness, Lorraine, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, like you said at the beginning, you know, I went from a suicidal mess to a success. And, you know, I, and, and this is how I did it. I used everything that's in my book to do it. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, I, and I've been, I've been very fortunate that I've had a lot of support along the way from my online community of friends and followers and fans. Um, when I was writing my book, I mean, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is to go back and, you know, relive all of the memories, all of the things that I, you know, had, had put behind me in order to move on. I had to revisit those things. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I think, I think back like earlier in our discussion, when I was talking and going back and talking about those really dark spots of my life, um, I, I can, I can look at it now and I think, you know, yeah, I, 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 that, that happened to me. That happened to the earlier version of me. Now I'm a different version of me, a better version. And I'm, I'm, I'm being the best that I can be now. And I, and I'm so happy with myself now. Like it's, it's been such a transformative journey. And I know that anyone who wants to undertake such a journey is going to feel scared, is going to wonder if it's right for them or if, if they can actually do it. I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. Mm. And if you need some support and if you don't know who to reach out to, reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. I would love to know that you listen to, to me talk with Josh on this podcast and I encourage you to reach out to me through email or Facebook, however you wish. Um, because honestly, like, yeah, I am a real person and I want to help you. That's, I mean, I'm, it just, just beautiful. Are you, are you spiritual or religious in any ways today? I have my own set of beliefs and I'm, I was raised as a Catholic, but I never fully believed 100% of everything I was taught. Um, and that, and that kind of, you know, it kind of screwed me up when I was raped because like, I was always told like, God's watching you. He knows what you're doing. And if you do something wrong, you're going to be punished. And because the night that I was raped, I had ran away from home. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm being raped as, as my form of punishment. And so when it comes to religion, like, I don't have a particular religion that I subscribe to, ascribe to, I have my own set of beliefs. I do believe that there's someone watching over me. I do believe in the power of the universe and that, you know, the laws of attraction, like attracts like, and if, you know, like good karma attracts more good karma and negativity attracts negativity. So I do believe in all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I know that there's something bigger than humans out there. Um, I don't know what exactly, but I do have my own set of beliefs that I am being protected because I have had, like I said, I mean, I've, you know, been, been through the rape. I mean, a lot of people, you know, I would 
be successful in killing themselves. Well, I wasn't. And I figured, okay, well, that was, I'm like a cat with nine lives. That was one of my lives. And when my appendix burst, uh, that was another life. I was given another chance. Um, I, I was in a skidooing accident where I almost lost my leg and almost had to have it amputated. I figure, oh, that's, you know, that's another life. I, I still have my leg, fortunately. They did surgeries on it and I was able to keep it. So I, I and, and just most recently, two months ago, I was in the hospital. Um, I was diagnosed with blood clots in my lungs. Um, I am a smoker and my breathing got to the point where I basically was struggling just to walk 20 feet and I'm like okay something's wrong so I went to the hospital uh they fixed me up I was there for six days they put me on some drugs they helped break up the blood clots I'm on blood thinners now I'm you know constantly being monitored by doctors like every month now so I'm all good uh health wise um but it's like you know I'm I've constantly been given second chances many 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 times and so Obviously, there's a reason I am supposed to be here alive on this earth. On that front, I will leave you, Lorraine, with this final question. How would you like to be remembered? I want to be remembered for leaving a mark on this world in a positive way, for helping other people, for helping other people become better and pay it forward and just make this world a more beautiful place. Well, certainly this world is absolutely a more beautiful place because of you. And I genuinely feel that way, least of which because of this dialogue. I want to thank you, Lorraine, for your candor, for your openness, and for sharing your story with us today. It's been a very... Very nice chat with you, and it's been a pleasure being here on your show, Josh. Thank you so much for having me again. My absolute pleasure. This is just the beginning of our friendship and ongoing relationship. I'm a fan. I'm a follower. I'm going to stay close by for everybody listening in. I hope you found some good value from this episode. I want to thank you for spending your time. We'll do it again soon, everybody. Until next time, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.